Welcome everyone to POV Crypto, the only podcast that both Bitcoiners and Ethereans listen to. I'm David Hoffman here with my buddy Christian. Christian, how you doing? <laughs> doing good. Uh, you sound good over there on uh, on the stream. But yeah, man, uh, trying to escape the smoke. Went down to LA. Still smoky. Can't escape the smoke. Literally smoke everywhere in California. Yeah, it's, it's all up and down the uh, the West Coast, man. Like my roommate just got back from hanging out with you down in California and then and then went up to, uh, to San Francisco, went to Reno, went through Oregon, and now he's here in Seattle. And he said it was smoke every single step of the way. Uh, the entire West Coast. Uh, we, we talked about this last time. Why entire West Coast? On fire. On fire. I can usually see downtown out my window and yeah, I can barely see some of the closest buildings. Dude, it's it's pretty fucking disgusting. Yeah, um, it's bad. But with that, with that being said, I'm I'm seeing rumors that there's like a lot of arsons that are going on on the West Coast. Like several people have been arrested, um, including like a pretty major one in Oregon that is actually made it to the news. Like a um, like malicious, intentful arson. Yeah. What the yeah. fuck? Yeah. And but here's the crazy thing. It's like. Like personally, I think that climate change is a, is a real thing, but I, if there are arsons going on, I don't understand why it's not being covered. Like that seems like it's kind of a big deal. Like it's weird that there's like no coverage of the arsons and there's like very strong global warming propaganda and like uh, explanations from the government. Yeah, what the shit? If if that's true, that's ridiculous. There's a bunch of weird shit going on that doesn't have any explanations. Like this is totally unrelated, but something I was talking about with a bunch of other friends is like this whole cuties Netflix cuties uh, movie. Have you heard about this? Yes, but I've just been ignoring it. Right, but the thing is, is like Netflix usually does a very good job of pulling stuff that's controversial right like during the whole black lives matter movement they went on like a massive purge of just like racially like modern day racially inappropriate jokes and then there's this whole cuties movie and for those that don't know don't do anything more than this because it's fucking ridiculous but like go type in cuties netflix into google images and look at the movie poster or the tv poster of it and it's all, the poster itself is already inappropriate, and it's it's about eleven year old girls dance a dance troupe, but it's like sexual. It's it's literally soft core child porn, and it's being pushed by Netflix. And there's a subreddit that's about this movie that's growing and blowing up, and they are like they are super um, just strict on like anyone that comes into the subreddit to say like, Hey, this is bad. Like don't promote child porn. And it's not promoting, promoting child porn directly, but it's like, wink, wink. This is soft core child porn. Like there's no way around that. And then they're banning everyone who's going into Reddit and Netflix is, and like, everyone's like cancel Netflix, blah, blah, blah. And Netflix is like, no, we're doing this. And there's just no explanation for their behavior. Cause it's totally incongruent with all their other behaviors. And so what I'm trying to say is like in, in alignment with this whole like people are, are like starting on fires and, and no one is reporting it. It's like there's some weird shit going on. Just the unexplainable shit. Yeah. I mean, how do you feel about Netflix like purging their library of like anything that in the past was like racial? Or like not PC? I mean, if you're a profit maximalist, that makes sense. I guess. I mean... I feel like we're like, going why, into why some though? Nazi era shit. Like when when it's like illegal to like think stuff and like there's like just weird manipulations and propaganda. 
I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, not not a fan. Not a fan. And, and it turns out, like, I was a naive person, and I assumed that, like, most of the rest of the world had similar freedoms to America. But turns out, like, Australian Australia is, like, decently authoritarian. And, like, a lot of Europe is, like, decently authoritarian. I didn't know that. I thought they had, like, comparable level, levels of freedom. I didn't know that there because, was, like, limitations on speech in these places. That's yeah. crazy. The, our, like, the first, uh, the first Amendment protections on speech is not a thing in the rest of the world. That's And it's not a thing under common me. law. I just found that out. I thought that was just like the way that it goes for anywhere that we consider like the West. That's what I associate of like the West. I associate it as like, yeah, the places that have freedom of speech. Turns out that that was wrong. Dude. Miss. The world, man. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. And so like, so wait, David. Yeah, go ahead. All right. Sorry. What was your thought? And I was going to say like, as somebody who like promotes like the bankless nation, like opting out of your nation state, like, I'm using my freedom of speech to do that. So, like, I guess, thank you, America. But also, like, fuck, I didn't realize I was in such a crazy minority of people. I mean, that's why we Bitcoin. That's why this stuff is so important. Yeah. That's why, like, this tech is needed. Yeah. There's, there's a severe need of it across the world. I didn't, we need better I didn't property rights. to such a strong degree that it was needed that bad. But, okay, here we are. And we, we yeah. We need like protections uh, of our of our sovereignty, and that's what this stuff does. And you know, besides the bickering and you know all that other stuff, like that's I think ultimately that's that's like the reason we're here. And that's right. I mean personally for me, that's a big reason. Right. Yeah. Moving the the Loki of power from the authoritarian to the individual. Absolutely. I mean, and if you think about it, that's like the story of the world mm -hmm. is like mm -hmm. the Loki of power going from the individual to like peak you know kind of like whatever um i guess like you're an individual when you were in a tribe and stuff and like right. you were but like you kind of like there's like this this journey of like individualism to not individualism and then like kind of it's going back to individualism like right. technology is enabling individualism mm -hmm. more than it ever has before yeah yeah and that yeah that definitely wasn't true I guess depending on the frame of frame of time, but like, there's technology has also enabled authoritarianism to the same degree. And Peter Thiel has um, has this opinion where like certain things about technology these days are super super authoritarian and top down and controlling. Like AI largely would be a one, um, but may, largely all of Silicon Valley too. And, and then there's also like the antithesis. Social networks. Of, social networks, right? Like super top down. Uh, and then the antithesis is that is like end to end like cryptography, cryptography basically. But then all the spinoffs of cryptography, largely cryptocurrency, but then also like in, in end to end encryption and stuff. Tor, like and, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Crazy. Crazy times. Yeah, I mean that's kind of what the sovereign individual is about. Is like mm -hmm. the macro, like high level view of what technology does to the world and then the world of violence and how people organize. And that's like what it's about. And like the story they tell is very much like transitioning into sovereign, mm -hmm. you know, individual mm -hmm. status and like what that is like. And they talk about like what nation states are going to be like when they're right or like what they're like when they're writing the book, which is in the nineties and then after, mm -hmm. and then kind of like how they die. And they really talk about like the West is like this beacon of freedom, like this, this, place that uh that was like almost like wild like it's gonna become tamed 
and it's going to become like the slow fat thing mm -hmm. and an organization and like a lot of the other newer more nimble like groups of people are going to you know advance way past it and honestly i can kind of see it in south america like i feel like i mean people have been super bullish on africa but i'm super bullish on just the south like south america africa like the south of the equator like that's where um you know that's where there's much less bureaucracy and much mm -hmm. less like things to get rid of and people can just move on to the new system much faster right organization through chaos yeah absolutely any any time i write <clears throat> any article nowadays that they push out through bankless and then ultimately i end up talking about on bankless like i'm all i'm always reminded like the, the sovereign individual came up with this first like they got this first like they understood this so incredibly early and it's such a well-researched well-articulated piece if any listeners are listening to this right now like the sovereign individual is like the prophet of our time like that that is the i have never experienced a piece of literature that's so closer to like just foundational truth in that book and the thing is is like i feel like after cryptocurrencies it became so much more obvious like but you got to be a real freaking visionary if you saw that shit before like if you were a cypherpunk in the 90s like if you were you know if you wrote the sovereign digital if you're reading that stuff like you're just so far ahead of the game and just understanding how the world works yeah like you have to have your your finger on the pulse of what is like metaphysically true right like he he is or the, the, those authors, two people two people yeah. One uh, of them's still alive too. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Lord wow. Lord Moog is dead, but the other guy is still alive. How come no crypto podcast has gotten him on a podcast yet? Jesus. Yeah, I know that needs to happen. What the shit? Why haven't we done this yet? He fucking predicted everything. No crypto podcast has gotten him on a pod. Wow. wow. We don't even know his name. His like that's just how foundational the book is. Like it's all about the book. It's not even about them. Yeah, Jesus. Anyway, I need, should just look this up really quick. That is that is absolutely nuts. They should go. He should go on a podcasting tour anyways yeah so uh james dale davidson and then lord william reese moog lord he's a lord yeah wow great guys great guys great book great book <laughs> everyone should read it all right should we get into crypto oh. stuff or what all right uh so what else is on yeah so, yeah so i mean there was a crash and now mm -hmm. everything is bouncing back yeah, the, same with the stock market. The last time that we did the uh, POV crypto pod, uh, you they were in the middle of the crash. We were all I was talking about, you know, you know, DeFi got too hot, you know, ended up biting its own tail, then it crashed, and you were like, it's coming right back, and uh, it's definitely not over. That's for, that's for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, I'm I'm good at feeling the pulse. Yeah, you are. But when I'm wrong, I'm really wrong. So <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Like, I, you guys, I was super wrong about the stock market after Bloody Thursday. Like, I was, I was selling, I was selling the pump up, and it wasn't until we got like a decent amount, almost back to where it was, where I was like, "Shit, I'm really wrong." <laughs> yeah, that that take felt like Peter Schiff's take about like when the 08 crisis happened, and he was like, "I fucking told you so," and then and then. And then it ultimately like bounced right back or, or maybe like even before the 08 crisis where like he's saying it's going to crash, it's going to crash, it's going to crash. And then he misses like all of the gains between like 2000 and 2008. And then it finally does yeah. crash. And then he's like, I told you so where like he was right, but it was inversed. And I yeah. feel like that's like, okay, what's, but what's your take on the stock market now? Okay. So like now you were, you, you claim that you were super wrong. You're like, still right. 
Oh, he, oh me? I was wrong? You, you were super wrong because yeah. it crashed, and then mm-hmm. you're like, this isn't going to work. And then it, now we're at all-time highs because, like, we forgot about the mon- money printer thing. Like, oh, yeah, the money printer. Forgot about that guy. But, like, what's going to happen now? Because the economy is still still going under. Like, I, w- I just went to, uh, for Sunday football, I went to my local brewery, who which was created in 2013 by my local soccer coach, and they were super profitable. And now they're going to have to go out of business. Like, they're not going to make it. And, like... If, if people can't go and patronize businesses over like the next two months, like every, every single week that like COVID is, is preventing people from going into a business, a new wave of businesses fail. So like the churn of businesses failing is happening. Like every single day, another business goes out of business and, and like money printer can't fix that money printer can't fix that. It can pump the assets in the stock market. But like, again, the economy is not the stock market. And the, uh, yeah. the economy is fucking shit. It's fucking shit right now. Yeah, I mean, the real economy is experiencing severe, like, deflationary kind mm-hmm. of things. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's it, there's a lot of deflation happening. Like, when jobs get destroyed, when businesses close, like, that's money not being, you know, moved around, generated, like, earned, all that stuff. Um, and, you know, people start to save really aggressively. Um, and I think that's why the stock market's going up because the stock market is the savings vehicle right now. Like it used to be gold. Now it's Apple Hmm. and that's pretty fucked up. Like, like, like there's no like, you know, sovereign savings, but that's what it is. Like when you, when you start a, a, you know, a company job, you get a 401k so you can save in the market. So like, why are we surprised that the market is literally the savings technology? So, I mean, I think the market's going to keep going up because it's the bank now and everyone's saving more than ever. Um, I mean, obviously it's, there's a lot of nuance going on. Um, but I would say that's probably, probably a bigger cause of why number go up more than even money printer go burr, but money printer is going burr. Like the fed does own a lot of the assets now. It's pretty crazy. Right. Right. I definitely agree with that take and I could definitely get on board with the fact that people's interest in saving has gone through the roof and people are now scared because that's what, that's what happens when people are scared. Um, I also have this existential angst about like, I have no idea what it's like to crypto is the biggest bubble of all time, right? Like, I don't know what it's like to have like a normal person job. Like, I don't know what it's like to have a job where somebody thank God. in a grocery. Yeah. Thank God. Thank you. Crypto. Or to like work in a grocery store or work at a restaurant or I don't know, insert your You've had those jobs though. Not but not during COVID is importantly is, oh. is the point I'm trying yeah. to make. Okay. Yeah, yeah, not yeah, during yeah. COVID. And so like okay. I have no idea how stressed out families are. Because like if you're in that world, if you're if you work at a grocery store, or you work at a restaurant, like you have friends and family who are in that same mix, right? And so you experience both it for it for yourself and also the people around you. Except the people around me are people in crypto right and we're all we're all doing pretty well right now and so i have no idea what that's fucking like and and i wish i knew because i would have better information about like what it's like and to be in inside like quote unquote the real economy you know i never watch the news anymore but whenever like my girlfriend's parents have it on or my, my dad has it on um around them a lot more um i don't have an apartment anymore guys part of this uh, deflation sorry landlord do not make any money off me but uh it that it kind of gets me out of the bubble um i also like i kind of follow like i follow uh like the stock market a lot closer and like uh finance twitter fin twit as they call it and i feel like that kind of i mean obviously that's a bubble in itself but it's 
um, you know, it's more attached to kind of outside of like the crazy wonky hot dog pickle land that is crypto Twitter right now. So, um, I mean, you got to get out there and, and talk to people, talk to your family, talk to your, your sister, you know, all those people, like just try to get the pulse of what they're dealing with. Cause I mean, I don't know if I didn't have Bitcoin, like, I don't know what the hell I would be feeling right now. If I was at reach analytics, what? Like I'd be freaking, I'd be very stressed out. Yeah. If, if I hadn't gone into the crypto world, I would be in year two of physical therapy school. And like, I would be scared shitless probably because I'd be in massive amounts of debt. Like all this, all this like saving mentality and hoarding mentality of people's capital. Like I would be in like the opposite end of the spectrum. Like I would be in university in the time where being in university is like not cool. And I would have like two thirds of my education like done and like, you know, plenty of sunk cost, right? Dude, and you wouldn't even be able to go in. You'd have to be like doing physical therapy school over Zoom. Right, yeah. And then also if I ended up getting my degree, I wouldn't even be able to get a job because all the physical therapy, no one's seeing physical therapists right now. Like everyone's just laying on the couch at home. Like, and that's, I mean, copy and paste that for like basically so many like, you know, master's degree, uh, jobs. There's a, if, for the listeners who don't know who Jeff Vandrew is, uh, he's written some amazing pieces. He thinks a lot about like class warfare and like labeling classes. And we live in a world that is designed to create what he calls is the professional managerial class. Like that's what college produces. Like if you think like if you think of like a trade school produces tradesmen, like workers, like uh, military school produces military people. Well, regular college produces white collar workers, which are this quote unquote professional managerial class. And like the professional managerial class is the class that believes that they deserve, you know, to live the millionaire's life. They believe that they deserve to have the, you know, the white picket bench and the Porsche and all that stuff. And they're the people who are getting fucked the hardest right now. And they're the people that have the most debt right now. And like, we are producing this professional managerial class and they have, they, a lot of them don't have real skills. Like think about how many kids took just complete BS majors. Me and you kind of took slightly BS majors, but they also weren't BS. Cause I, I learned a lot about like useful skills around communication and media and stuff like that. But still, like I could have learned that shit using YouTube for right. free, like, you know, but like, I, I did get something good out of it. Yeah. Like, no, my, my degree was in psychology and then my, my minor was in nutrition and human performance, which I personally have leveraged to benefit my life on a personal level, but financially those did nothing for me. I mean, granted it's cause I got into crypto too soon. But like, I don't think, I don't really see any way. Thank God you got into crypto. Yeah. Again, thank God I got into crypto because like my degree in psychology only kind of allowed me to introspect in a way that guided my next decision. Um, Yeah. Anyways. So we started with DeFi tokens bouncing back and we just went on an insane tangent. Yeah. But I kind of like it. I kind of like it. It's it's kind of the content I'm into right now. So I guess one of the big reasons why I think DeFi tokens obviously are pumping is because they're liquid. And there's a reason why ETH and BTC are, take so much longer to make moves is because they're not a liquid. And like th- those things kind of, ha- it's like a double-edged sword, right? Mm-hmm. Like obviously liquidity makes it dump a lot harder too. Um, and I mean, obviously if you can play it right, like there's an opportunity to make an insane amount of money, mm-hmm. you know, if you take advantage of both those properties, but um, it's hard, it's hard. Well, Ill- illiquidity, is one way to look at it and it's definitely 
a, a definitely relevant way to look at it. But I think when I look at what I, what I look at, I'm looking at low market cap, right? And so if, if, I'm, if I hear about this brand new project, before I even hear about what the fuck it is, I go and look at the market cap <laughs> because like that's the most relevant well, thing. Well, that's the same thing. It is the same thing. Illiquidity right. is, is kind of like a, 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 a bad way or a meaner way of saying market low market cap. cap. Yeah, Wait, what's, right. it, low market cap is a euphemism for Ill, illiquid. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Those, those are extremely overlapping. I'm, yeah. Um, but like that, that's what people... I mean, like, that's why I'm the Grinch Bitcoiner and that's why you're the, that's why you're the rich degen, right? Because <laughs> you, you look at the positive spin on, on illiquidity. Yeah, right. It's like, well, if this is a liquid, well, cause, so like Coinbase just lifted, listed uh, YFI today, YFI, and they got a, a resounding 371 tokens when like Binance got 3,000 and Uniswap has like 3,000 and a bunch of other, and there's only 30,000 total, right? And so like the fact that Coinbase, like the premier token listing site, like where all the US investors like go, like it's both a custodian, it's both an on-ramp, it's legally compliant, it has the quote unquote blessings of the, the United States nation state. Coinbase lists this brand new asset that everyone's hyped about and they can only get 300 tokens no one gives a fuck about Coinbase anymore because Uniswap served all of their needs prior, and now it's just, it's the, the meme is the Y side liquidity crisis. For those of you who are only loosely following Yiffy, basically what the Yiffy community does or Yiffy community does is they replace as much things with the word Y as possible. So instead of instead of supply side liquidity crisis, we have the Y side liquidity crisis. So that's the thing. But Coinbase just experienced the Y side liquidity crisis. Like there's for the, the, the Wi-Fi community is such a avid strong of like avidly strong community of fucking holders that no one gives a fuck that Coinbase just listed, listed it. And to me, that's a sign of the times, right? It's a sign that a DeFi is producing really strong assets that people don't want to sell. And even if they did want to sell, they wouldn't go to Coinbase anyways. They would just go to, to Uniswap largely and if they want, and if they wanted to get cash, they wouldn't sell it. They would just take out a loan, swap it for USDC, and then if they're on Gemini, which is what what I do, you got to trade it back for Ether, and then you send the Ether to Gemini and sell it on Gemini. So like all of the liquidity for for Wi-Fi, it's super fucking illiquid. But all of that's being expressed in Ether because that's where if you are interested in buying or selling, like you don't buy or sell, you just borrow and then sell it into Ether. Yeah, so I mean, I would say that everyone that has Wi-Fi is a DeFi insider, and therefore they don't give a shit about Coinbase. But I, I think, agree. and this is something that Nick was saying is like, you know, DeFi is not that easy. I, I think that it's pretty easy. Like, I think it's easy enough. If you could do an ICO, you can fuck with DeFi. You can fuck with Uniswap. It's actually easier. It's exponentially easier because like, that's how, you know, point and click. It's kind of like Shapeshift. Like Shapeshift is pretty easy. If you know, if you can use a crypto wallet, you can, you can use that. But so I, I think that eventually like retail will be able to at least use the, like the basic experience of Uniswap. Um, but there's going to be demand on Coinbase. Like the like you're going to see when retail demand gives a shit about Wi-Fi, that's when Coinbase is going to actually see, you know, some volume there. But as long as long as it's still happening in the crypto circle, like it makes sense. Like only stupid retail uses Coinbase. Coinbase is the most expensive fucking exchange by far. 
Yeah, when when we were back in Tahoe a couple weeks ago, we had we had this this guy. Shout out Ryan since he's not listening to this podcast or is in the crypto space. Oh, I'll name I'll name him by Ryan. Ryan's the best. We love you. Yeah, he is he is the best. But like when I'm talking about this token uh, wifey, which I have on the fucking big screen, I have the chart on the big screen, and there's like twelve of us, and only three of us give a fuck about it. Um, Ryan pulls up Coinbase and goes, uh, David, and this was, this was two, three weeks ago. So wifey is, t- uh, one month, one week old. And, and Ryan goes like, I can't find wifey on Coinbase. And, and I just go like, Ryan, like if you're buying, if you're buying tokens on Coinbase, like you're buying my bags, basically, like you're buying other people's bags. Like you got to not, if it's on Coinbase, it's too late. Like you're, you're behind the times. It's too late. Like you have to basically you have to be on Twitter. There's no like even Google is too late. As, as soon as it becomes indexed on Google, the Twitter G- DGENs have gone after it for the last 18 hours and farmed the fuck out of it. Like the, this it moves way too fast. I mean, this is like I, I feel like this conversation really illustrates what the current state of DeFi is. And I don't want to be like the type of person that says this is what it is forever, but the current state is cash grab. So like mining something for 18 hours before it, and then it's done or like mining the entire supply, like within the first like week or whatever, like there's, there's nothing fair out of that. Like that's purely an insider cash grab and like insiders making money, which is great. It is what it is. And like these mechanisms, I'm sure can use in the future for something different, but there's so much noise out there. And like, I like what you said, which is just focus on Wi-Fi, which is probably the way to go. But like, there's so much fucking noise out there. And for the most part, it just gives me a headache. Yeah. Uh, there, well, the only thing that emphasizes the first few hours of a farm is that no one else is farming it. Right. And so like, if there's, you know, there is token, Fuck, name, name your favorite vegetable. Um, token zucchini, right? You just call it pickle because didn't it hit like $100 or something like that? No, I haven't, I haven't been paying attention. I don't pay attention to farms anymore. Um, <laughs> so there you go. Right. So, so Even the audacious gains can't get you to pay attention to all the fucking noise. Right. So Okay, so say, for example, this new farm comes up, token, uh, token uh, zucchini. Uh, and the farm, this new brand new farm opens up and it opens up at a certain time. And some people are paying attention to this, like, 100, 100 people are paying attention to this, so 100 people start farming in the first hour. Whereas over the next seven days, maybe 1,000 to two or 3,000 people will be farming it. But like, if you are in that first hour or two hours or three hours, just proportionally, you get more tokens per block, right? If like, if there's 1,000 tokens issued per block and you're in that first like five or six hours where there's only a couple hundred people in, you're gonna get way more ROI than if you had it when there's five or 6,000 people farming it. So that's why you wanna get in early, right? And that's why Twitter is so important is because like, if you're farming in the first day, that first day is going to be five times as lucrative as day number five or six, right? And so that, that's why that's why it's important to be early. It totally. But like, what's the point of any of these things? It's like long-term, I mean, other than a cash grab, it would be for long-term usability. But if the only way that you can compete is on a commoditized uh, APY, then like, there's no long game. Like, it's just whatever new thing is going to have the highest APY is going to stay. And then at some point, like they're going to die out. No, no. Okay. So, so here's, here's where phase two comes into play because phase two, after the farm is done, after you're advertised 10,000 APY per second or whatever, it, it, once that's over, then it turns into turning into an actual real company. Right. And so like quote unquote company, like digital organization uh, and, and like the whole, 
concept about these DeFi tokens is that they are a digital collective, right? They are a digital group of people that have a real product and then have a growing treasury, right? And so it's to whatever degree that that treasury has fundamentals, because then it's about the APY of the treasury. And so first, first it's the APY of the token and the value of the token is based on the future uh, speculative APY of the treasury that that token accrues, right? And so like very few projects have actually made it into this second phase, Wifey being the first one that fucking did it so fantastically. Um, Uniswap or, or SushiSwap would be another one that is going to generate, going to start generating significant fees and then generate its own native APY of the real token, right? Uh, and then Yam, Yam V3 just got announced and Yam is going to have a treasury. We don't know how, what, what that rate of revenue into that treasury is going to be. But then once we have this treasury and then you also have governance over that treasury, it's very much like Decred, right? Where they have this, what, uh, 10%? Of, of decred gro go, goes into the treasury and then they start voting on like how what what do we do with this if voting can vote in treasury increasing proposals well then the apy of the token is so so strong and but that that for, it's that first mania of just like well the apy is now like compounded because there's a second apy coming that's that's why this mania turns into such a cash grab so i will give that there could be things that eventually hold on but i tweeted out i think like a month ago that 99 percent of these things are utter shit coins and 100 percent of them will trend towards zero against bitcoin and i do believe that is absolutely true I, there is not one organization out there that is going to not trend towards zero towards bitcoin on a long enough time horizon because that is just the reality of hard money these things aren't hard money and they resemble a lot money. of ICO. They're not as, money. At, well, exactly. So they're going to continue to trend towards zero against hard money. And, but even more than that, no, they're hard money more than that inside the this, treasury, the, nar the narrative that the narrative that you're spinning, it's still very similar to the ICO narrative. Right. I think there, there's improvements. Mm -hmm. There's obvious improvements, but like, if you're looking at this playing field and seeing that, hey, this is a, a mass scale revolution, like, no, there's going to be a few winners. There's only going to be a few winners. If you can identify them, then, you know, maybe you have a good investment. But I mean, outside of the speculative mania, like you got to know what you're playing with and you, you need to get into hard money at some point. If, yeah. If you're playing with sushi and pickle and all this other bullshit. Yeah. So, so there are very strong parallels to the ICO mania, but it's not because the ICO mania invented everything and then we're just like reinventing it. Like there are some real fundamental truths and also there are some real value. There is real value that came out of the ICO mania too. Like Link, Synthetics, Aave, Omise Go, surprise, surprise, turns out to be a real thing. And those things are generating real cash flow. For, for their owners, right? You know, actually, Link, Link isn't, but the others are. And the, and the well, thing is, Link like, is just uh, meaning and, and also Augur <laughs> came out came out of the ICO. Uh, and if you if you give me a few more minutes, and like, how many of those things are we going to give a shit about in three years? Well, so we are actually none are, of them. No, like get, you got to give them credit because they're they're three years old, so they have Lindy effect now. Right. And so like I, there are very highly successful ICOs like Aave is one of my favorite examples. Synthetics is also a fantastic example. Those are super successful ICOs. And, and that's going to be the same model as, as this whole new new thing. There's, there's going to be some farms and a lot of them, again, I agree with you are going to trend towards zero, not towards Bitcoin, but straight up towards the dollar. They're going to trend towards zero, 
but a lot of well, them, all those things are trending towards zero against Bitcoin. And but a lot of them are going to be super successful. And if whatever future version of hard money that exists in the world will, that will be represented inside the treasury of the system. So it doesn't even matter if Bitcoin exists as the hard money, or maybe it's Ether, or maybe it's fucking Litecoin. Doesn't matter because whatever is is inside the treasury of these systems. So it, like regardless of what hard money is, these things have hard money in their treasury. If you believe in a thesis of hard money and you believe that everyone will want hard money, then you will believe that these treasuries will seek hard money and their treasuries will grow in hard money. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not arguing against that. We're already seeing companies starting to uh, acquire hard money, right? We're seeing like the first few companies start buying Bitcoin. And I think that trend's going to continue. And these things are already living in crypto land. So uh, you have a point there. Again, I'm just trying to put things into perspective. Look, there are going to be a few that win. That's fine. And they're going to do well, whatever. But like, just know that like this revolution, it doesn't happen overnight. And a lot of this stuff is going to just be straight garbage. So, you know, take advantage of the opportunity. Like, I'm not mad about money making. Like, I'm not some salty Bitcoiner. I truly am not. Like, I actually don't care about money that much because like, I'm very confident in my ability to create value and accrue money. And I live a great lifestyle and I have, you know, plenty to fund it. So like, whatever. But I mean, you can do whatever, like there's always an opportunity to make millions overnight. It's just how ignorant are you to it, right? So like, I mean, obviously, you know, make your millions, do your thing, but don't be the loser holding onto a bunch of shit coins, like believing that, you know, pickle is going to be the next whatever. Like, <laughs> just, just know what you're, what, what you're talking hey, don't, about. Don't, uh, don't underestimate pickle, bro. <laughs> the next Yeah, no, pickle, <laughs> pickles making millionaires right now. I hope they're moving into hard money at some point. You know, okay, I don't so, know when the right time is. <laughs> so, so here's, I think, the next step in this conversation, right? So, yeah, uh, non-crypto, non-L1 tokens, right? Tokens, ERC-20 tokens on Ethereum or whatever tokens existed on like EOS or Polkadot, just tokens, 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 that, that yep. classification of assets. That market cap peaked in like 2017, 2018, and then is, was at an all-time low in, in 2019. And now it's picking up steam again, like really, really fast. And Set Protocol just released their DeFi token index, where you can just buy like, quote unquote, the ETF of DeFi tokens, right? And so to many, and I agree with you, many tokens will come and go, but I fucking bet you that the DeFi token index will appreciate versus hard money significantly over time like orders of magnitude right and it's because and like i wouldn't i wouldn't want to ever if you ask me like okay so like david you are you have to go to jail for 10 years and you have to put all of your money in one single asset like what would it be like i might honestly answer bitcoin like that might be a, a something that i answer um but it the fucking even better answer are tokens i bet you tokens are even better than that right and so like i totally agree with you that so many of these things are going to go to zero but as like an aggregate or as a space, I think they're going to fucking sweep Bitcoin under the rug. Oh man, well that's where we very much differ. How could we? How could we turn this into a bet? Because I, I will bet against the DeFi index. Okay. Okay. Right. We were talking about that bet forever ago. And yeah. okay, so I will put a thousand dollar bet onto one, one to one DeFi, the token set DeFi. Let me, I need to read up on it more. They just put out the announcement. I haven't read it yet, but I'll, I'll put a thousand dollars into the, the DeFi. We will index. discuss offline okay. and then we will announce it on the next show. But 
of course, I would like to dom- denominate it in Bitcoin. So 0.1 BTC would be great. That's about a thousand dollars, a thousand six. Well, the, the winner gets paid BTC. the inverse, right? And so if you win, you get, whatever. You get I'm just inverse, denominating right? in Bitcoin because sure. I prefer it as uh, my betting unit of account. Okay. But th- there's something here. There's something here. All right, let's do it. Cool. Yeah, but it has to. My condition too is it has to be like 2022 timeline. Because I don't like I don't want to. I'm not voting against the speculative fervor right now. Like that's absolutely right. stupid. Right. Like during during the bull market, like you don't vote against the bulls. Yeah, yeah, and I totally agree because that's it's unfair timing. But then also the inverse happens where like so like Bitcoin. Bitcoin's always trying to find its fair price, and like during a bear market is too low, and during a bull market is too high. But the trend is always upwards, right? But there's never actually like a correct time where like these things are fairly priced and same is true for DeFi tokens. Like in DeFi tokens, they're priced too low or, or in, excuse me, in 2019 or in 2018, DeFi tokens are priced too low. And, and maybe we're going to discuss this offline. Okay. So I want to, I want to get the point I want to make is that there's actually no way to actually figure out the correct time to end this thing because we don't actually know when these things are fairly priced. Yeah, but they're going to be more fairly priced after the bull market. No, no, that's just your subjective uh, I would opinion. Say they're mostly, I would say they're, they're, they're more fairly priced. Like, I would say after a massive capitulation six months later, that's probably the, probably the most fairly priced uh, of the crypto market as a whole. No, but then, but then you're just saying like, sure, after DeFi tokens capitulate, then they're fairly priced. No, that's your subjective Well, so opinion. is Bitcoin. Bitcoin will also capitulate. Same with Ether. We're going to see everything capitulate and then we're going to see things flatten out. And then we'll see what is like real and what's just a piece of shit. No, that's that's during bear market, like pessimistic, uh, non-opportunistic times. That's the other half of the equation. Okay, we need to debate this offline because I'm sure they don't. Our hey, listeners, if you give a shit about the terms of this, help us come up to yeah, come to, come to terms. Uh, to good terms. You know, I want to do this bet because I firmly believe all this stuff is trending to zero against Bitcoin. Um, and, but, you know, at the same time, I'm open to talking about like what gives these things value. And I actually want to talk to David, like walk us through the DeFi token value prop. I've been seeing a lot of people talking about, you know, you want to look at this as like price to earnings. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you look at uh, Wi-Fi from a price to earnings perspective, like it's stupid cheap still, Mm -hmm. um, like let's like talk about that evaluation model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like the, the correct answer is that these things generate revenue in whatever form they want. And then they and then governors over these protocols elect to trade all the revenue that they generate into one single revenue generating token and then pay that token out to token holders, right? And so Wifey generates revenue by like seeking out yields and link and synthetics and like the SUSD, like all these all the different stable coins, and then it sells it for this token called YUSD, which has yield, it's a stablecoin with yield baked into it, and it takes that stablecoin and it pays it out to people that are making governance decisions. Uh, and off the top of my head, I don't know what the APY is because the price of VFE always changes all the time, but it's pretty strong. It's pretty strong. Uh, and, but that's in addition. So you need to be making governance decisions to get paid out. You can't just be a holder. Uh, yes, you need to be making governance decisions to be paid out. You can't just be a holder. However, there is a so there's something loosely kind of included in the social contract, I would say, where at some point uh, you just can make governance decisions from anywhere in your in wherever your wifey is. Um, 
and then also perhaps we're, we're that's up in the air up in the air but but currently in this current instantiation you do need to make votes in order to receive your dividends right so you have to be an active participant in the governing proposal if you don't if you really are it's turned off kind of like that, decred it's like you have to be staking to right. get the staking reward otherwise right. you're just a holder yeah um the, i mean no, i mean I'm, I'm i'm i don't have an opinion i just want to learn the the correlate to that is you can delegate uh, so somebody else can vote for you and you can just sit on your ass and you can still get the delegate rewards, but somebody's got to be voting somewhere is the idea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and this is true for, and, and yams, we can talk about yams because yams is a different model. Yams just has this treasury that accrues and then one yam has a, a pro rata share of a claim on the governance over that treasury, right? And so one thing I'm really hopeful that the DeFi token world, uh, uh, something that I hope they do is that like the assets in the stock market, Apple, Netflix, whatever, they don't pay you a dividend. Like large, mostly they, they generally don't pay you a dividend and especially the stock, the tech stocks. Right. And so like the valuation of these, that's things because they're, they're buy they're just doing share buybacks instead. Right. Which is fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Or holding part, cash. Partly that, or they just reinvest or they just, they just never actually re like, pay the, the fact that they don't pay that pay out a dividend mean these things are just valued on a, like a greater fool's thesis right like and so if there's no plan to turn these things into in dividend paying stocks then you you can only evaluate them on the price that somebody else will pay for them right which i again like there is real value underlying these things but like ultimately like you, you put your money in the robin hood and then you you buy these tokens you buy these <laughs> you buy these shares of a company and then you sell the shares of a company at a higher price. Like there's no, if there's no cash flow, like why are you buying these? At a lower price. No, I, well, you want to sell them to at a, you want to sell at a higher price. So you have more. You money. want to, but you often sell them at a lower price because sure. trading's hard. Sure. And one thing I, one thing I hope that DeFi tokens do is that they, they say, fuck that. We are trying to pay the highest dividend possible to our shareholders. I want, I want DeFi tokens to do the opposite of what's going on in the stock market. And then I want them to truly be evaluated on the actual cash flows, not the price per earnings or the or the price or the earnings per share or whatever, but the actual cash flows that were paid out to token holders on a historical basis. I want that. So can you tell me a little bit more about how uh, Wi-Fi is paying out uh, active governors right now? Yeah. Like so how much do you have? Is there a minimum threshold of Wi-Fi? Like. No. What are the parameters no, and no, how does that work? No minimum threshold. You go to y, ygov. Dot, uh, shit. Ygov. Yearn. Let me find this out. Um, it's not just gov. Yearn. It has no, to be ygov. Yeah, no, it's ygov. Yearn. That's not it. Um, oh, yeah, no, excuse me. Ygov. Finance. Ygov. Finance. You deposit your ether into the governance staking contract. And then after that, you sign messages to approve or or disprove of certain proposals, right? And once you do that, your your Wi-Fi is staked for three days, three like uh, I think three days. Every time you vote, it's staked for it's locked in for three more days, right? So you'll be able to retrieve your Wi-Fi after the three days of your latest vote. In that meantime, after the in the in that voting period, you are earning. Uh, YS, YUSD, which is an interest, very strongly interest-bearing uh, USD token. It's like 40 or 50 or 60% uh, APY on your USD because that is also inside of the, the urine system, right? 
And so anytime there's a proposal, you go and open up your ledger, plug it in, make a uh, sign a message to say that you approve or disprove. And then during that whole time, you are earning uh, yield bearing stablecoin. I hate governance. I feel like governance just, I don't know. Like, Do you really I feel hate like it? There's... It pays you money to pay attention to it? Maybe. I don't know. I just think that at some point, like, we are going to come up with a more fluid way to uh, to govern things and to, fluid, like, gather consensus. It's pretty fluid. Have you ever voted on any of the shares of, of companies that you own on Robinhood? No. Never, right? I've, Never. I've made seven governance decisions over a protocol. Maybe that's the future. Maybe that is the iteration from company governance. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, maybe, yeah, I don't know how this stuff is all going to play out. I am interested in seeing how DAOs are going to play out. Um, this is a DAO. It seems as though, yeah, yeah, no. It, it, there's experiments, right? There's Decred, there's YP, there's all these things. All of them were super, you know, made you a lot of money right at the beginning. And then mm -hmm. I've yet to see Decred really, uh, really uh, yeah. get any attention. But YP's already on Coinbase. So they did more, they've already gotten more attention than Decred. So is maybe Decred it's not, not a good... on Coinbase. Dude, Decred is hurting, man. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. To all the Decred uh, hodlers out there, it's, it, it's just, you know, it's a beautiful image of something that has. We'll see if it has potential, but yeah. it's definitely not baked in. It's yeah. like the world does not build it and they will come. That's just not how the world works. No, like no, it, it's build no it either. and have the right momentum and be the right timing and get really uh, lucky. The right, right evangelists. Yeah. Be on the right network with the with the, the right VCs. Like all, yeah, all of the games. I've so, never, I've always yeah. been confused about the decred path to success. It just doesn't, hasn't made any sense to me. <clears throat> Dude, it's the thousand year game, even though I think that it's not a thousand year game. Like, I think that we're going to transition very quickly, like in our lifetimes. I'm pretty confident that. Yeah. Uh, and especially with all of our 20, beloved 2017 tokens like Litecoin and XRP and Decred and Dash. Like if they don't if they don't pump during this cycle, they're not coming. They're done. Like if, if you think that you stand the test of time you better pump along with the rest of us in this in this cycle yeah absolutely yeah. um i think that i mean light like decred sounds so much better than litecoin but litecoin's in a way better position still is it? on every exchange I, yeah yeah like, like know, the fiat oh, trading pairs is there right like there's at least a path to buying it yeah true like normies know what litecoin is <laughs> right there's like, yeah. some sort of like brand <laughs> bitcoin know, but faster. there's some brand <laughs> whatever um okay so i think we, we can jump to the last thing and then like i probably got to bounce but uh we're starting to see like this you know the eth competitors really fucking starting to market um binance oh, chain man. serum from ftx tron here before. this is i mean this is the udi thesis is that Yo, uh, fuck, the know, fucking udi the, thesis the these, udi thesis was also that dexes will never ever work like I can, as, as anyone duty thesis, I can name another one of one that was just fucking sh like a terrible miss. Sure. But I mean, the, the thesis is that these DeFi apps and a lot of them don't necessarily need censorship resistant. They would like to continue to be KYC free, which I think is the main value prop. Um, but you know, these things can, they, they can jump to more centralized chains. Like they can make that, uh, 
they can make that decision uh, for the, you know, for the benefit of, you know, having a faster experience, not mm-hmm. having the high fees, uh, having, you know, more quick execution time, all that stuff. Um, I would love to get your reaction on that. And like, is there any merit to multi-chain applications or is that just not going to happen? Like there, there could be with innovation, like innovation does ultimately solve everything at the end of the day. But like at some point there's also some things just can't be innovated on, right? And so Ether is the most liquid asset on Ethereum. And that's one of the reasons why Uniswap has so much volume because it's on Ethereum with Ether, right? And so SushiSwap can go fork uh, vampire attack uh, Uniswap and then move over to Serum. But there's nothing fucking on Serum. Like, it's, it's composability at the end of the day. Capital C composability. Like, if you can't have composability, you have nothing. The reason why SushiSwap was even able to do anything against Uniswap was because of composability. And if it just goes on to Serum, it's just going from, like, the metropolis to the fucking desert. Like, there's nothing there. And there's never, ever going to be anything there. And especially when when there are super viable Ethereum, uh, like, uh, uh, L2 scaling solutions that also ha- enable composability in their own right. Like it's much easier. Like all, any in the East. They pillars. have composability issues too. We need to see a dominant L2 before you can say that's different an, than an a, equal an amount S- of composability a- issues, not more or less. Like it's the same amount of composability issues. And so, like what I'm trying, what I'm trying to get at is that like East two killers are on equal footing with Ethereum L2s. Except one of them has a bunch of army of marketers such as myself to say like, hey, loopering is better than serum. I love loopering. I've had them on Bankless podcast twice now. Like I'll, I'll shill them yeah. all day and I won't shill serum not in a fucking second. Yeah. I mean, like, I think that I think that loopering is an example of how like even the word it's like the word node has been kind of distorted now the world l the word l2 has been distorted mm. loop ring is much more equivalent to like a binance chain it's not really like maybe their tech could be decentralized out if there's actually other participants using their tech to host uh the infrastructure but no one is so right now it's just a centralized organization using open source tech uh, so I, I mean, I, I don't. They, they're not a network. Loopring itself is not actually decentralized. That's not true. Uh, That's not true at all. Like they, everything is executed on their servers. Right, but you have the equal, an equal amount of assurances of the Ethereum L1. So you're right. I wouldn't even call it an L2. I call it a, an L1.5 because it checks in with Ethereum and it uses Ethereum to offer the same it's, amount of settlement it, assurances, which are what underpins crypto at the end of the day is settlement assurances. There's no compromise in so, settlement assurances. But you got to understand what you're talking about. And okay, sure, it can you leverage it can leverage Ethereum settlement insurances. You could say that Coinbase is leverages Ethereum and, and Bitcoin uh, settlement insurance as well when they no, settle on to no, on chain. those are completely different. If, no, there's if you can't tell the difference between loopering settlement insurances and Bitcoin Ethereum settlement insurances, is like it's this totally different. Like Coinbase can steal your funds, loopering can't steal your funds. Loopering gives you assurances mm-hmm. that you will never ever be able to lose your funds against your ill uh, against your will. Like that's it's 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 still you. You are still your own bank. If you put your Bitcoin inside of Coinbase, you're not your own bank anymore. If you put your your Bitcoin onto Ethereum and then put it on Loopring, you're still your own bank. Okay, so 
non-custodial centralized services built on top of Ethereum. Centralized uh, transaction ordering. Yes. Sure. I mean, yeah, it's a service that's provide. It's a centralized service that's leveraging Ethereum technology. It's fine. Like there are other they ways. It's gone to- with your funds, which is huge. Okay. They can yes. only they can only tell you if you're going to get included or not, and if they tell you no, you're not going to get included. You you give them the middle finger and then withdraw your funds and you're out. I don't know enough to to argue if that is in fact true. That is in like, fact there true. Is, there has, I mean, like if you look at Ren, like Ren uh, VM, like mm-hmm. it's supposed to be this VM that's governed yeah. by the stake and all this stuff. It's just a multi-sig. I would not, okay. I would not be sticking my neck out for Ren VM in the same way I am for Loopring. Okay. Well, I mean, again, it's difficult to tell what's real and what's not in the marketing hype of what's decentralized and what's an L2 and what's all these things. All these terms are distorted, mm-hmm. especially in the marketing cloud that is Ethereum. So, I mean, maybe some of them are legitimate, but a lot of them are not. And you have to do a lot of digging to figure out, like, what who's using the term properly. I mean, we, we interviewed Loop Ring together when we had these questions answered then. like It was pretty obvious. It's not a decentralized network. It's like, it, yes. okay, if it's an L2, as in it is a company that's using Ethereum in a native way, but that's not a decentralized network. I wouldn't even call that an L2. Like Coinbase isn't an L2 to Ethereum. Like with, with Loopring, you are given cryptographic assurances that no one can steal your funds. And then, and then everything after that can be centralized. But if you have that, then it doesn't fucking matter. Like do whatever the fuck you want. If you give me cryptographic assurances that I always have my money when I want it, then you can do whatever the fuck you want. Okay, it's not an L2. Like a Lightning is an L2 as a decentralized Yeah, that's why I say it's an L1.5. Like- Okay, it's like it's a centralized organization that is offering a service to right. Ethereum. Right. And sure, okay, it, I will grant it. Like, yes, it is non-custodial, so you can't steal the funds. Although the t- usage of that terminology is very skewed too, because a lot of times smart contracts can execute to send the funds elsewhere without your permission. So it doesn't matter that it's non-custodial because they obviously had some sort of keys that could send funds as well. So if that's like, true, I wouldn't call again, it. Again, I'm not saying specifically about loopering, but like just because something is non-custodial in DeFi doesn't mean that you can't lose your money. I don't know about that. That was the first I've heard this. I mean, how would you explain how would you explain contracts that send money where they're not supposed to be sent or in a way that are unexpected? I wouldn't call them non-custodial. Not non-custodial is only I to get to dictate where my money goes. I don't wake up and find out so, that my wallet made I have a, a transaction like four hours ago so, when I was sleeping. I have a question. Hmm. When you deposit funds into a, a, a Y a fee vault, right? Those yes. funds are being then traded around. Y- yes. Uh, yes. According to the contract, which I yes. then therefore approved when I put my money in that contract. Sure. But they're being traded around, right? Yes. So what if there's an issue there? That's would you you consider that to be non-custodial, or is that custodial? That is custodial. That's custodial. That is custodial. Yes. Okay. Because you're you're, because you're trusting the contract. Okay. So in Loopring, there's no contract to trust. There is a contract, and it cannot do that. Yes. 
that that particular contract I need can't to get into this do that. One. Yeah, Con contracts are turned complete. They can be coded up to do anything, and and Loopering can't do that. The way the way the way Loopering really works, they can't. The, the way Loopering really works they is they initialize a state, right? So they they like boot up a machine, and they 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 make a transaction on Ethereum, saying these are the rules as to how we manage transactions on Ethereum. And if we ever break the rules, then then we broke the rules and no one that's and that's not allowed. And inside the rules are the rules that no one can spend your funds unless you own the private keys, and therefore it's not custodial. Okay, we gotta tease this out. I mean, a little more. I wanna like I, I need to find some examples because I know for a fact that there are non-custodial apps that are very much can move funds around well then then that's a or have keys issue. or whatever that's a semantics issue I, I think there's a lot of semantics issue it's very difficult to tell what is what i'm just being honest we're on, we're on the frontier we're working on definitions we haven't, we haven't settled on them yet all right i think it's a good place to to wrap it up it went a little longer than expected indeed all right you guys can follow the podcast at POV Crypto Pod. You can follow me at Trustless State, both on Twitter and on Bankless. Christian? You guys can find me at CK underscore Snarks and at Bitcoin Magazine.